Hey, it's Matt Bovey from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Okay, that that sound you heard around Western New York and Bills fans throughout not only the country, but the world, obviously, they're everywhere, is a collective exhale after a 34-31 win in the... AFC super wild card round against the Miami Dolphins onto the divisional round against the Cincinnati Bengals. It certainly wasn't easy, and it also wasn't the way most envisioned it would happen. We're going to talk about it today. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550, Matt Bove, Channel 7 WKBW-TV in Buffalo. Matt, this was a game that really put a lot of stress on fans. Obviously, uh, the Bills got it in the end, but not the way fans thought it was good, was going to go, and especially after the way it started. You're right, but this is where I'm going to go to. And I, I just have felt this way, I don't know, really since yesterday. It doesn't matter. It does not matter that they barely won. Agreed. Because I think back to last year when they blew the doors off of the Patriots, and you're like, whoa, this team's legit. And then guess what happened the next week? They lost. And yeah, they had a really good offensive day the following week. But defensively, they didn't. And it didn't matter that they had a great game one week and then the next game they didn't. So who knows? Maybe they needed to squeak out a win and that's going to be a wake up call for them. I just really don't think I've seen so much discourse from fans about this team's a fraud. These guys aren't going to win anything, blah, 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 blah. And I just think it's such an overreaction. There was one team we're recording this Monday morning. There was one team that was the favorite that covered the spread this weekend. And it was the 49ers. The Bengals barely hung on against the Ravens. The Chargers lost outright to the Jags. They blew a massive lead. And then the Giants beat the Vikings. So, like, close games happen. I think there was these unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. based off of everything that happened last year with New England. That was like, okay, the Bills are going to come in here and they're going to absolutely roll. I thought they were going to win by, like, 10. I didn't think that they were going to win by 30. I also didn't think they were going to win by 3. But they had way too many mistakes. And I think those mistakes are something that doesn't necessarily have to like continue. Like a lot of the mistakes that the bills had were self-inflicted wounds. Josh Allen fumbles the ball. It's a strip sack. The interception that goes off of Beasley's chest, the decision to throw it deep to John Brown, them taking the kill shot, like of the mistakes, that's the one I have the least problem with because I appreciate them being aggressive. The drops all over the place. Dawson Knox makes an unbelievable touchdown catch. Then he drops a touchdown that he needs to bring in. 
Khalil Shakir drops a pass that would have wiped out like a 60 yard gain and would have put the bills in the red zone. Um, the Cole Beasley one that we mentioned, it hits his chest. It bounces up. So like, I don't think that they're going to have that many drops next week. I don't think that they're going to be as unlucky. And I also think there's something to be said about a hungry dog runs faster. And the dolphins came into this game with literally no pressure. All of the pressure yesterday was on the bills because they were these massive favorites. The dolphins could take every risk possible and it almost paid off and kudos for them. There were fourth down decisions that they made where I was like, hell yeah, if you're the underdog, that's what you need to do. They also blitzed a ton and conventional wisdom says like, don't blitz Josh Allen. Well, when you got the defensive line that they do, it works. And it did yesterday. It got sacked like seven times. I saw a stat on sports center last night that he is the only quarterback I think in wild card history to be sacked seven times and have multiple turnovers and still win the game. And there's been like six or seven people who have done it. So I'm ranting here. I just think that people are way too freaked out about them still winning a game. You cast a wide web here. Okay. Uh, A lot to get to a lot that you talked about. You covered a lot. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I want to say it in my own way, a different way. And I want to focus in on a couple of the things that you just talked about. All right. Matt, anybody who's listened to me on the radio over the last 11 years in Buffalo since I've been back knows that I say this all the time. During the drought, I would say this. It didn't matter if the Bills were good or bad. It didn't matter. Every single football game has its own DNA. What happens in one game has no bearing on another game. I agree with you. It's a different way of saying what you've just said right here. Football is a game of matchups and injuries and game plan. Yes, it is a game of matchups. This is not a great matchup for the Bills, the way the Dolphins like to be aggressive and get after the quarterback. They can give up big plays, and they did. They can also make big plays, and they did. What did we say on this podcast? By the way, it's always game day in Buffalo. Subscribe, like, every all that nice stuff. Throw us a nice review. What did we say? We said the path to victory for the Dolphins is be aggressive, score on defense, get some turnovers. They did all of that, and the Bills still won. This game came down to one reason why it was a three-point game. You said it correctly. Critical mistakes by the offense. I'm going to give you a stat. The Buffalo Bills defense allowed 3.35 yards per play for the entire game. Historically low. Matt, so low. Only seven other teams in the last 16 years of postseason play have allowed less yards per play. Yeah, and I think that I saw they had one drive of more than 40 yards. One drive. And they still had 31 points. So to me, that comes back to like the, yeah, how do you let Skylar Thompson score 31 points on you? Well, let's peel that back a little bit. They you scored. give them the ball to 40 after a yeah. out of bounds. You seven, give them- yeah, seven of those points yeah. came on a Josh Allen fumble. So right now you're down to 24. And then almost all of those came on a short field. Now, I to his credit, to the Dolphins' credit, when they went down 10 late in the game, they orchestrated a touchdown drive, and that was impressive. But there were penalties mixed in the entire, you know, there was like the field position battle. The Bills lost significantly by a really wide margin. There were some dumb penalties that they took. And then we mentioned all of the things that they did on offense that ultimately came back and bit them in the butt uh, to their defense. You remember in 2020, the Browns played the Chiefs? And almost beat them 22 to 17. The Chiefs wound up winning that game. Remember, the Browns had a play near the goal line that should have scored, and then the ball went out of bounds near the pylon. 
And then the Chiefs, I think, went on to win the Super Bowl that year, right? I mean, like, this is, these are the things that happen during the course of football games. Or did the Chiefs go on to lose it? Whatever. You know what the point is. that These things happen, and they happened to the Bengals last night, which we'll get to as well. Uh, we're recording this, obviously, on Monday, what I say last night. And the Bills, we do know that they're going to play Sunday uh, on this coming week against the Cincinnati Bengals at home at 3 o'clock. That game will be against Cincinnati Bengals at Highmark Stadium. By the way, that 2020 game, that was when the Chiefs went and lost to the Buccaneers, but everybody gets the point. Goes back to every game is different. You never know. Survive in advance. Somebody texted me last night, and I agree with this, said it reminded them of an NCAA tournament game where like a two-seed basically squeaks by a 15 and says, okay, we got that out of the way. This was a two-seed in the NFL squeaking by a seven-seed. But There are issues to talk about. There are things they need to clean up. We can sing the praises of what they did really well all day and say, ah, you know, heck with that. They still played a better game. No doubt. I agree with anybody who says if they play like that next week, they'll probably lose. I agree. I agree agree with that. The way they did against the Baltimore Ravens, they might lose. So what do they have to do to clean up? And what were the issues on Sunday? Um, Josh Allen's turnovers were definitely part of that. Yeah. I don't put the one to Beasley on Josh. I do put the one to John Brown on Josh, and I do obviously put the fumble on Josh. I agree. And then there was another fumble that Spencer Brown recovered that could have been even more disastrous. So way too many turnovers. I think it was yesterday one of those instances where Josh felt like he needed to do everything himself, especially when they went when they went down and I I saw his like average depth of target was 26 yards in the fourth quarter, which is bananas. Now there's going to be people who are like Ken Dorsey, what the hell? Well, there was probably things underneath that they just refused to take. And I don't really understand why, but with Josh Allen, I feel like this is going to be how it is for the rest of his career. There's going to be, the good and there's going to be the bad and the good is going to really greatly outweigh the bad. But every once in a while, you're just going to have to deal with some of the stuff That's that right. comes. It's it's like Brett Favre was back in the day. Like you take that you take, because when he's on, he's the best player on the planet. And when he's off, like yesterday, there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, the myth about playoff Josh Allen is dead after yesterday. He didn't play a great game. He also didn't play a terrible game. He had 350 yards and three touchdowns. Like, come on. What about over 400 yards of Khalil Shakir holds on? You know what I'm saying? Like the standard is so different compared to what it once was. The throw to Gabe Davis, the touchdown, that was a dime. The deep ball to Shakir that was dropped, that was beautiful. The, they, the deep ball to Stefan early on in the game that he didn't score, beautiful. Yeah, third and 15, and then they throw to Knox the other day. So, like, I'm not concerned about Josh. He needs to make better decisions. He needs to protect the football better. But moving forward, I have no concerns about Josh. There are other people that I have concerns about offensively, but he's not one of them. Or at are least you, he's not he's not high on the list. Are you concerned about the offensive line? Seven sacks given up. We talked we talked a little bit about it. I I'll give you my take on this. I'll ask you if you're concerned. Um, it's not good. It's not pretty. It's also, I think, a bit of a bad matchup for this Bills offensive line. I don't think they handle that kind of pressure very well. I think the Dolphins really brought a lot of pressure in different ways. They blitzed a lot. Give the Dolphins credit. I think they had a good game plan, and they knew they had to be aggressive. I don't think the Bills handled it that well. Um, A different animal with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to try and get pressure with their front four, and they do have guys who can do that. But again, it's a different game. I, I am a little concerned about that number, but not overall concerned because it is kind of scheme based and personnel based based on who they played. Yeah, I think yesterday was more a result of how desperate the Dolphins were able to play. And it's just the Dolphins having a really good defensive line with some Mm -hmm. really great playmakers. Like give them credit. That's probably the strength of their defense. That might be the strength their entire team besides their wide receivers. So I'm moderately concerned about the offensive line because there were too many times yesterday. Excuse me. 
where Josh just was helpless. Like there was nothing that he could do. There was nobody open. And by the time that he could get off of his first read, he was being taken down to the ground. So I would say on a scale of one to 10, I met like a six, as far as the offensive line is concerned with my, with my concern level. There you go. Right, well, let me, and then they didn't run the ball very well uh, outside of Josh who had 20 yards rushing. He didn't run the ball very much. He had a couple times. He took off no. outside of Josh, the running backs themselves, less than four yards of carry. Let's remember, this is a team this year that ran for over 5.1 yards, close to 5.2 yards of carry, second most in the league. And even with just their running backs and not Josh, they were amongst the best in the league, I think top 10. Um, Miami's defense, though, very good against the run. They actually came into this game as a top five run defense, maybe top six run defense, I think it is. So the Bills did not run the ball very well. They're going to have to do that a little bit better against the Cincinnati Bengals. There will be more opportunities. Um, that was also something that if they could have at least established a bit of more of a ground game, they would have had to press and put themselves in situations that caused them to make critical mistakes. Well, I even think back to the first, I believe it was the first drive of the game offensively. The Bills were moving the ball, and then they had two straight runs, and one was a two-yard gain, one was a three-yard gain, and then they did not convert on third down, and then they had to punt the ball away. And it felt like what killed the momentum on that drive was the decision to basically even try and run the ball. Now, there were some bright spots. The James Cook touchdown was a really well-schemed up play, but that also shows you how ineffective they were because that was a chunk play. Let's see how long that play was. I've got it right here. That was a 13-yard run. So, if you take that away, he had 11 carries for 26 yards, which is less than 2.5 yards a carry. And then as far as single Singletary's concerned. Singletary was a little bit better. He averaged 4.8 yards a carry yesterday, and his big moment came on the last off well, the second last offensive play of the game when he was able to convert that third and seven by just kind of the pile getting moved and the offensive lineman jumping and pushing yeah. him. So I do think that there's some credit there, but it's interesting because I thought going into the game, the split would be a little bit still favoring Singletary, but it wasn't. Cook actually had more rush more attempts. He had 12 and Singletary had 10. I think there is something to be said about who was out on the field at the end of the game. It was Singletary. So even though with the fumble last week, I think they still trust him more, but how about this? James cook and Devin Singletary, neither of them had a catch. Neither of them even had a target. Isn't yeah, let me, let me let me touch on that, though. I think this goes back to the way the Dolphins played them. I think the, the Dolphins were so aggressive, the Bills had to keep a guy in. I don't think they wanted their running backs to leak out. I think they just basically kind of took that out of their arsenal and said, we need a little extra protection. Of course, it didn't really help a lot because they had mm -hmm. seven sacks, but I do think that the Bills had to figure out a way to make sure they kept a little bit more protection in for Josh Allen. Um, and then the Bills, when they went wide, they... Remember, they had all these receivers active, right? John Brown, Cole Beasley, Shakir, McKenzie wasn't. The Bills went with their receivers uh, when they went to their spread offense and basically four wide, five wide offense. Looking at the snap counts overall, by the way, um, Devin Singletary, 41 snaps, James Cook, 23. So Singletary still outsnapped him by pretty, I guess, a bit of a significant margin. 55% of the overall offense goes to Singletary, James Cook with 31 Percent. All right, let's um let's touch on the defense and some of the things that they did right and wrong here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So you look at the box score and you see 34-31 and you go back to how did the Bills defense give up 31 points to the Dolphins? But there's a lot more that goes into it than actually that. I think for the most part, the defense had a pretty good day yesterday. I think there were a couple slip ups here and there, Mm -hmm. but I think that they did to a rookie quarterback what you were supposed to do. Now they're going to be much more challenged on Sunday against the Bengals and Joe Burrow and those just beasts of wide receivers that they have. But I think that it was a step in the right direction yesterday, despite what the final score looks like. I agree with that. I want to give you some numbers. The defense, I told you a little while ago, 3.3 yards per offensive play for the Miami Dolphins. That is very low. They only had a total of 231 net yards. They went four of 16 on third down. That's just 25%. Bills did a great job of kind of just staying, making sure that, um, you know, defensively, they did not allow the Miami Dolphins to really get off on them. Miami had a couple plays here or there. What only thing that bothered me was about the defense, the way they played, they did allow receivers to get behind them a couple times, and Miami didn't convert. If Jalen Waddle catches the first big pass on the first drive, maybe it's a little different first quarter the way it flows. A little bit later, Tyree Kill, same thing. There was a nice pass breakup a couple of times. Guys got their hands in just at the last minute, and those are great plays by the defenders. But you can bet the Cincinnati Bengals are taking note that maybe going deep and having a chance here with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they could be successful because that was the one area where I thought the bills got away with a couple when the Miami dolphins gave them a couple of drops. Yeah, I agree. I think the Waddle one, he should make that catch every yep. single time. It's almost like the Shakir one. He should make that catch every yep. single time. So they almost wiped each other out. But I did think that there was a secondary one where it was Hill and the closing speed from Trey to get in there and break yep. up the play. That looks like old school Tredavious white. I was like, Whoa, that's a big play from him. And then Taron Johnson had a couple plays where he what was able to play to knock it through his hands. As, yeah. As was it Waddle uh-huh. or Hill yeah. went up and that one was Waddle again. Yep. Yeah. He had to come through and that was a great play by Taron Johnson. Yeah. And I also think too, if you're the dolphins, you're going to take those shots and that's still your bread and butter is going over the top. And really for the most part, the bills did a good job of kind of, I don't want to say they stopped you from doing that because it was missed opportunities from the dolphins, but they made the plays when they needed to make the plays and kind of, you know, had that under control. I never really thought after the first couple, after the first couple drives from the game that I thought Miami was going to be able to just completely beat them over the top. I, w- I was concerned about that going into the game. Cause I was like, man, you know, I know Skylar Thompson, there's not a lot of stuff out on him, but he's an NFL quarterback. He can drop back and just throw it up and hope that Hill or Waddle are open down there. And aside from a few select times, they never really just found open space. 
there were some tackling issues again that popped up a couple there of were. times here and there. there. Were. It wasn't like major catastrophe, but this is a team that has not tackled the best this year. And there were a couple of times where you need to tackle a little better. Now it's always tough to tackle Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, it's, it's, but you still have to be able to tackle a little bit better in critical situations uh, than, than the bills did a couple of times on defense. Sean McDermott spent a timeout and actually benefited the Miami dolphins. Uh, I, I've gotten some, you know, I do an arrow up arrow down column after the game. And I've had a lot of people tell me, well, why, where's the arrow down for Sean McDermott and calling the timeouts. And look, I'm not going to give him one because the only reason you think that he should get a negative on that is because you know what the, result of the would be play would have been, yeah. but if Sean McDermott feels like, Hey, I got to call timeout. I don't like the way my guys are aligned. I, I trust Sean McDermott in those situations to make the right call. Unfortunately, we know that it looks like the bills would have stopped them anyway, which hurt the bills by calling the timeout, but you don't know that when he takes the timeout. Yeah. It's hindsight in hindsight right. though. It was a 60 yard swing because it was a deep pass to Tyree kill and it overshot him. Yeah. It would have been a turnover on downs. The bills would have got it like their 30. Instead, the dolphins elected to punt it and they pinned the bills back to like the 10 or something. So it was a crazy swing, but I agree. I don't think there's any way you don't know. He doesn't know what's going to happen for all we know. Tyreek, what if he makes the catch? Then he right. looks like a genius because he was able to call the timeout before it happened. So I, I don't take too much stock in that. And, and another thing i've seen a couple people say and i almost like feel bad like giving this opinion a platform but if people say like how did sean mcdermott get out coached like what's going on like he didn't like sean mcdermott isn't the one who's dropping passes that the bills are supposed to make sean mcdermott isn't saying all right cole let this hit your chest and bounce off of you and they're gonna pick it off he's not telling josh all right they're gonna sack you make sure you fumble the ball when you get sacked like so much of this is just it, it just happens. It's, like you know, that, that doesn't mad. fall on coaching. That's low hanging fruit. It's so easy yeah. for me to say that. Well, I feel like <laughs> I feel at like, some point you got to put it on execution. Yes. I feel like everybody, uh, and same thing with Ken Dorsey to an extent. Now I don't think that he, you know, should completely be able to wipe his hands clean of some of the decisions and some of the plays that were called yesterday. But I feel like everybody always wants to find a person or a thing to blame. It can never just be like a blanket. Like the bills did not play well yesterday and they almost lost because of it. It needs to be this person did not play well and this person can't coach. And this is why this team is doomed. Like, like I don't think that that's fair. I don't think that there's really been any even instance this year where you can look at one of their three losses and be like, they lost the game because of this. There's been a pretty widespread kind of, I don't know, a lineup of errors that has happened in all of those games. And that happened again yesterday, but they were still able to get a win. And that's why I'm not like overly concerned. You go to the locker room after the games. I go to the locker room after the games. I'll speak for me. You tell me if you felt the same thing, the players aren't feeling like this. The players are not feeling like, Oh man, we played really poorly. They're going to recognize that they did not play their best game. The players were happy. They're in the locker room. They just won a game. You know what they'll tell you? Man, it's football. The other team gets paid. We wound up winning a playoff game against the Miami Dolphins. You know, that's what we we did, what we had to do. Yep, they'll go back. They'll watch the film. They know they made mistakes, but they are not waking up on Monday with this woe is me attitude or um, this uh, people. I, I feel like almost like we're dissecting a loss here. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, on a Monday. And I could guarantee you they're not feeling like that in the building. They're feeling we we made some mistakes. We still won. It's tough. The other team gets paid. Let's go on to Cincinnati. It's on to Cincinnati. It's on to Cincinnati. I don't want to, is there anything else you want to talk about defensively? Because I actually, I want to say one thing and then I want to ask the question. Kair Elam was awesome yesterday. He was. Kair Elam looked like a first round pick 
who should be on the field way more than he has been. Now there's a progression, you know, I, I respect them kind of, you know, taking this course with him to make sure he was ready for this moment. And quite frankly, I'm not even convinced that he's going to get the start over Dane Jackson against the Bengals. Maybe I think he should, but Dane did have an injury though. Dane did hurt his knee. He did questionable to return, but I believe McDermott said that he could have come back in. Exactly. He said like, Hey, if you yeah. would have needed him, would he have been able to come back in? He said, I think he would have. So depending on the injury, I still think Dane is going to see the field probably more than bills fans think he should. But I thought Elam was, I mean, of course the interception is the big play, but then on the dolphins last offensive play on the pass to Gusecki, he was able to, it was like right on the border of being pass interference, but it was a pass breakup against Gusecki. And basically that turned the ball over on downs. The bills got the ball back and just, I think he allowed one catch for two yards to Tyreek Hill. I think that's what I saw for his numbers. And let me double check on, he had two passes defended. So yeah, like he was just, it was really solid yesterday. Were you going to ask me a question? I do have one more thing to get to before we move on to the Bengals. Let's you get to your thing. And then I'll ask you my question at the end. Yeah. I want to just talk about special teams for a minute. Um, that the kickoff out of bounds by Tyler Bass actually changed this game. And I don't know what happened. He mishit it. Uh, I, I didn't see the ball necessarily come off the tee or anything like that. It was just a miss hit. They're up 17 to nothing. They're rolling. I mean, it's okay. This, they're just going to cruise in. Maybe Josh Allen takes a break in the fourth quarter. That kickoff puts the ball to 40. They wind up scoring a field goal on that drive. Next drive turnover. They wind up scoring another field goal. And that's the game starts to change a little bit. That was a big play. And then you had Naeem Hines, muffing a punt special teams did not help in this game. And that's a change from what we saw last week against the Patriots when they were so awesome. You can't have those kinds of mistakes either. I feel like for the Tyler Bass thing, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe somebody listening will know more about this than I do. I feel like they were very intentional at the beginning of the game about kicking it out of the end zone. And not, and not letting the dolphins have a big return. They're like, okay, Skylar Thompson, get it at 25. I almost, I equate everything to golf, but I feel like when you try and kill it, usually that's when sometimes you hit a shank or you hook something. So I'm to me, what had happened, I was like, you know, he's trying to kill this to make sure there's no return into the wind. He probably just almost shanks it. And that's why it ends up going out of bounds. So it can't happen. I mean, he just had made a field goal before that. So I'm like, well, it's really hard to like completely crap on the guy because he literally just did make a field goal and he's, Oh yeah. And he's been a really good kicker for them all year, but I'm like, man, one of those critical mistakes though, that add up, right? Yeah. Same thing with the Heinz one. Like imagine if the bills don't recover that. That's right. You know what I mean? So, and then, and then to your point too, it kind of did start this like downward spiral of bad plays. You know, the Josh Allen interception happens and then Xavier Howard brings it back like 40 yards. And then once again, they're starting it at the 50, the Cole Beasley interception while well, the Josh Allen interception to Cole Beasley happens. Then they get that ball in Bill's territory to start. It was just like bad thing after bad thing. I think you could say the second quarter yesterday might've been the worst quarter of football they've played the entire season. I think, I think that would be fair. Agreed. Uh, The Dolphins scored on four straight possessions in that quarter. What's your question? My question was, you want to save it? Let's save it for the next segment. All right, let's do it right now. Here we go. Uh, Let's talk about the uh, next opponent, the Bengals and the rest of the AFC and the playoffs. 
Bills Bengals Sunday, 3 p.m. They get the uh I think they get the Nance Romo Tracy Wilson treatment again. Yeah, uh, every week. Game, right? It's it's um that's how much this is gonna be a, a big spotlight game, obviously, for the NFL. Uh the Bengals, I'll get to we'll get to them in a minute. You have a question for me, but if you watch the game against the Ravens, if you're a Bengals fan, you're feeling kind of very, very similar to the way Bills fans are feeling after the Dolphins game. Well, that's basically the premise of my question. My question was for you. I think we all assumed it was going to be Bills versus Bengals in the divisional round. After watching what happened yesterday with both teams, are you more confident, less confident, or at the same level you were about the Bills getting a win and moving on to the AFC championship? I think I'm going to answer a little more confident. Um, even though the Bills played the way they did, two weeks in a row now against a good defense, the Bengals did not look really good on offense. And I have to be honest, part of the reason is now they're so banged up on the offensive line. Yeah, I understand the Dolphins were as well. They made a few plays here or there. Like I said, though, 3.3 yards of play. The Bengals, after they lost Jonah Williams, could not move the ball. He's their left tackle. He, he was injured during the game on Sunday night. They're already without Alex Kappa. We'll see what his situation is. He's their guard, and then they're already without Leo Collins, who got injured a few weeks ago, who's out for the season. I, I will tell you, Bengals fans will tell you, Matt, like Jonah Williams is not a great left tackle, but the drop-off to him to the next guy was significant. And watching that, seeing that, knowing that they have problems protecting Burrow right now, I, I feel a little more confident in that. Um, but, boy, I just I do worry about those receivers getting loose against the Bills secondary right now. Yeah, so Jonah Williams, this is from Kelsey Conway. She's okay. one of the beat, she's one of the beat reporters that covers the Bengals. And she said that she saw Jonah Williams walking in the locker room last night with one crutch and a soft knee brace. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, I mean, those knee braces are usually like a precautionary thing just to try and figure out what exactly is going on. So I don't think we'll know exactly what his status is moving forward. Obviously, the same thing with uh, Kappa. Collins is done for the year. So yeah, I mean, they're, they started five, the same five offensive linemen for the first 15 games of the year. And then since then they've had all of these injuries. So now there's a chance going into this game. They could have three backups in out of their five. And yeah, and you'd have to think even if those guys play, they'd be a bit compromised. Right. I mean, like, and by the way, can I, can I just say like, Teron Armstead's one tough dude. I mean, he he battled through all those injuries all week. He mm -hmm. came off the field limping a couple of times just to circle back to Miami. I mean, I give those guys credit when they're just battling through that. And he's a guy that, you know, really battled through a lot of injuries and he played for the Dolphins. Those guys, if they do play, they will be compromised. But that hurts the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not a great run team. They have a very good running back. I really love Joe Mixon. They're great out of the backfield with those guys. They haven't run the ball really, really well. Back, same question to you. I mean, after yeah. you watched everything play out this weekend, how do you feel about Sunday? I actually also feel a little bit more confident. And I did not think that that was going to be the case. And I know that the Bills had way too many mistakes yesterday. But I think back to all of the things we talked about since that first Bengals game that ultimately ended up never happening. But we talked about the offensive line for the Bengals. And there have suffered more injuries since we had that conversation. In the very premature moments of that game, before it was canceled and before everything happened, the Bengals targeted and attacked Tredavious White. And you're like, whoa, like teams yes, don't do that. Right. And they had success. But I think there has been a clear upward like trajectory in Trey's play since that happened. Now, I know he's not going against the caliber of players that the Bengals have, 
But I think Trey is playing better. And going back to what I said about Elam, if Elam is going to be on the field, I think that they're going to get better production from him than they would get from anybody who they had as an option just even a couple weeks ago on January 2nd when they were going into that game. I think that it's still going to be a really, really tough matchup. Like, listen, I think the Bengals are the third or fourth best team in the NFL. I think it's basically right now, I would tell you the five best teams in the NFL in no particular order are the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, and the 49ers. I would say those are the five best teams. And if you're the Bills, you're going to have to beat two of those teams just to even get into the Super Bowl. It's a really, really tall task. I also think there's something to be said about the Bills playing at home. I think it matters. I think it just gives them a little extra juice. Correct me if I'm wrong. I do not. I'm knocking on wood here. I don't believe Josh has ever lost a home playoff game. That's correct. That's correct. He's got three playoff He hasn't losses. won a road playoff game, though, either. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, good news for them. They're not going to play a road playoff game this year <laughs> until it gets to potentially the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, the three well, losses are Even that would be a neutral site, right? You'd have, you don't have any uh, really going on. Either it's home or neutral site the rest of the way. Yeah, that's what I mean. You don't play a yep. true, true road game anywhere. So let me ask you this, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Do you, this is something I've kind of been, I've been putting my coaching hat for a little bit uh, last couple of weeks thinking about this matchup. How much of 11 minutes of action will give the bills and, or the Bengals a peek into how each team kind of wants to play the other team and how much do they change that? I think maybe a little bit more for the bills because they had two drives against the Bengals offense as opposed to, well, it goes both ways. I shouldn't right. say that. I would say it's, it's probably split. Well, do you, I, if you're, if you're a bills or Bengals coach, do you think and say, look, we got to change something up. They kind of, sh- we showed our hand a bit, or do you kind of go back to, no, no, we're going to go back to, you know, the game plan that we had and, and what we think, especially the Bengals who are moving the ball in a couple of drives. If you're the Bengals, you just keep doing what you're doing. I don't, right. at least offensively, I don't think they had an incomplete pass, right? Burrow. I don't think so either. Let me check. Let and then the Bills moved the ball, by the way, on their first drive. And then they came up short in that third down, and they wound up settling for a field goal. They played 11 minutes before, of course, DeMar Hamlin collapsed. But I do wonder like, how much they think about you know, what, their, what those 11 minutes showed them and what Can, they want to do differently. I think it was 11 minutes they played. Maybe do you know, nine minutes, maybe. Do you know the question? I don't know the answer to this. So I went back to the NFL's like official website for all the stats and everything. Yeah. Everything is wiped from that game. Because the game was not played, it didn't count. So does, like, Joe Burrow threw a touchdown in that game. Does not count. Interesting. I did not know that. I thought it was basically everything that happened in that game happened, and then it was just wiped and ruled a no contest. I did not know that all of the stats from that game were completely wiped off the board. The stats were wiped off the board, yes. So who had that touchdown? Like, Tyler Boyd? I believe so, yes. That's a really interesting... Like, what if... You think a team would honor like a bonus? Like what if a Tyler Boyd had like a touchdown or a receiving bonus? That is a great question. I'm not sure. Um, Even like the elevation of was it Alec Anderson? Does he get a game check? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Elevated him that day. Things like that. I think, I think there's stuff the league and teams are working through with the financials of that. It's a, it's a good question, but that makes sense. um, I, I like your point about, you know, they did attack Tredavious white a couple of times early on. And I thought the Bengals all week were very, braggadocious, a lot of bravado coming out of there. And then they went out there they were very aggressive. Mm-hmm. I th- expect the same this week. I think the Bengals are going to, you know, even I think, um, I think I already saw something where Joe Mixon's still saying, Hey, we're the big dogs. You got to go through us. Um, we're the AFC champs. He's not wrong, but they seem like they're very, very 
very confident and they're putting it out there that they're very confident. And I think they're going to be very aggressive playing the Buffalo bills. And that can go one of two ways. When you try to do that, as we've seen, you can give up big plays. You can get big plays. It's going to be an interesting game. Burrow said post game interview. Um, when he, what do you expect? He said a high, high flying offensive game. So maybe that's what we get. The one thing that I'm a little curious about is the weather. I saw some of the meteorologists in the market. Yeah. I'll talk. I'll talk to people when I get into work today. But yep. they were like, "Yeah, there might be a storm. Hopefully, it'll hold off until after the game into like Monday or Tuesday of next week. Um, mm. That that would stink if there was just really bad weather, and then these offenses would be limited because I think this really could be a really fun game. Um, I will say. Absolutely love the three o'clock Sunday afternoon time slot. I yeah. think that I think that might be my absolute top choice of the four you slots think the NFL available. Should do this every week. I think a three o'clock game, regular season too. Well, the three o'clock game is interesting because on Sundays we have a six o'clock newscast. So basically, it takes us out of the six o'clock newscast. You can't do anything while the game is in progress. So the timing of it, I think, is perfect for fans because you can still be in your kind of normal routine. You can still tailgate. You can still do everything you want to do. You also won't get home incredibly late, especially right. like if, especially if they lose, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be upset, but you're <laughs> going to be able to get home at like seven thirty, and then you can, you know, I guess watch the other game and just like hate watch it and be like, you know, all mad and miserable and everything. But no, I think the three o'clock time slot is the best. I've had a couple of people say like, why the heck are Burrow and Allen not in prime time? And I think there is a fair point about that, but I think the argument can be made that the Sunday three o'clock window is better than either of the Saturday windows. Yeah. And you also have the Sunday night game is going to be either the Cowboys. Who yeah. Huge draw or yeah. Tom Brady against the San Francisco 49ers. So you could also, you know, look at it that way. All right, let's just real quick jump around uh, from this weekend. Giants, Brian Dable getting a win in Minnesota. We all said it could happen. They do it. Amazing Mm -hmm. job by him and his coaching staff to be able to get them into the second round. I think I told this to our friends over at Wham yesterday after the game because we were talking about Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable is my favorite coach I've ever interacted with. Mm -hmm. He is so fun. And I understand completely why those guys just rally around that dude. Also like the decisions now that they have to make, they don't have to make them anymore. Daniel Jones is that team's quarterback moving forward. Saquon Barkley. I know that, you know, you don't pay running backs, but you probably just franchise tag him next year. And then you get him to come back for another year. So like, yeah, I think the giants are fun. I think this is the end of the road for the giants. They're going to lose to the Eagles, but Brian Dable should be the coach of the year. And I don't even think it's a question. The Jaguars do go to the Chiefs to start off the playoffs. The Bills winning the winner of the Bills Bengals game will play the winner of that game for the AFC Championship. The Jags did lose 27 to 17 uh, back in week number 10 to the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you remember much about that game. The Chiefs had the 20 to nothing lead. Mm-hmm. After that, the Jags outscored them 17 to 7 over the final um, two plus quarters. I was watching the Bengals Ravens game pretty closely last night. I was able to kind of drive home during halftime. And then, so I only missed a couple minutes of the game. And I was really interested because I was in on the Ravens. I didn't think the Ravens were going to win, but I thought the Ravens were going to cover. And that whole time I'm thinking in my head, okay, how do the bills match up with the Jags? If this actually does happen, I wouldn't sleep on the Jags. Now I will say this. I think if you're the bills, you would rather play the Jags oh, in yeah. this spot for sure. But I also don't think that it's fair for anybody to be just like completely ruling out the Jags as they go to Kansas city, because they got a young quarterback 
who's really talented. I mean, they still won a game and he had four interceptions. There's something to be said about that. Their playmakers are not as good as the Bengals playmakers are, but they're still pretty good. Like Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, Zay Jones. They've, they've got a lot of like bodies there that are certainly a little bit above average. So yeah, I, I think they're going to be able to give them a game. I fully expect the chiefs are going to win, but I think they're going to be able to give them a game. And let's just, and we're going to talk more about these games uh, when we have our next podcast later in the week, let's just put a bow on all of this from week one, super wildcard weekend with the epic collapse, if you will, by the chargers. And I think it was a collapse. I know the Jaguars made some plays. The chargers collapsed in this game and the future of maybe Brandon Staley, what it looks like there, Sean Payton rumored to be very interested in that job. If he doesn't maybe go to Denver, we'll see what happens there. Um, but the epic collapse by the chargers and they blew a 20, what, 20 to 7 to nothing? What was the actual score? 24. I think it was 24 point lead. Let me just look here. It was, was either 24 or 27. 27 nothing. 27 nothing with 425 left in the second quarter. They could have hired Brian Dable, but they hired Brandon Staley instead. That's a great point. We're recording they this. They didn't want to wait. They didn't want to wait because I know. they were still coaching. And then I believe the Bills tried to implement that rule, right? Yeah. That you had to wait until a certain point because Dable missed out on that opportunity. Now it worked out for Dable that he got the Giants job. I just can't imagine what that guy would be able to do with Herbert, with Eckler, with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen. Also, how stupid that they played Mike Williams as much as they did in the last game and then he gets hurt. Um, you think we're recording this on Monday morning? You think Brandon Staley is fired today? It's a good question because they wouldn't have done it on Sunday. They, they weren't going to do it. The team is still coming back. They're doing their locker clean out, all that stuff. I think it happens if they can get their hands on Peyton. Uh, if they really believe they can, I don't know if they unilaterally just fire him probably, but it might depend on what they think they can, they can bring in. Um, but probably right. Probably. Yes. Either Monday or Tuesday, maybe a couple meetings or something like that. Yeah, it was an epic collapse. I was watching the Sabres game and I was flipping back and forth basically at the commercial breaks. And then when the Sabres game ended, like I was keeping tabs on the comeback that was happening when the Sabres game ended, I flipped back over and I think it was 30 to 20 at that point. And then the Jags were still able to come back and then win the game. And I, I love the decision for Doug Peterson to go for two there. I love the aggressive nature. I just think we go back to, it was a big kind of eye-opening moment for me when the bills played the chiefs in the first AFC champion game. And remember all the times they settled for field goals in that game. Yeah. And I thought in that moment, like, listen, you're a big underdog. You're playing in the playoffs. You have to play to win. Like you got to be aggressive. And I think the dolphins did that yesterday and I give them credit for it. And I think the Jags did it in the first round and it paid off. So I, I saw the thing. It's like, well, when that works, it's, you know, Hey, this coach is aggressive. They're risk takers. When it doesn't work, it's like, oh, analytics are stupid. It's like, why can't we just meet in the middle on anything? Saturday night, Sabres won. Bandits won. Sunday, the Bills win. It's a great weekend of Buffalo sports. And we get to keep talking about it because the Bills are in the divisional round against the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, Matt. Well, um, we're recording on Monday. Sabres afternoon game. Enjoy it. I'm going to be down at the arena. Yeah, so I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to go down to the arena today to watch the game um, for a nice little... Panthers afternoon matchup. We've got our show tonight. Can, can Buffalo teams beat two South Florida teams on consecutive days? Yeah, but I know the Panthers are struggling this year. I but do they're still very good, but there's still a ton of talent there. So I don't know if I'm ready to like write them off yet. Like, I feel like eventually they have to bounce back. They're just too talented. You would think that they would, but who knows? I mean, they've struggled. I mean, we're at the point where we're halfway through the season. So it's not like a small little stretch where they've struggled. So maybe they just aren't that good. Um, 
I just I want to say, like, listen, Bills fans, to close out here. I watched Josh Allen walk off the field yesterday, and he just did one of those like, <sighs> like exhales. It, yeah. He did the same thing against Detroit. It was like, wow, that was a lot. At least we live to fight another day. I wouldn't put too much stock into what happened on Sunday because at least they still won. Now it needs to be about how they match up with the Bengals. They could lose because the Bengals are a great, great team. They've won eight games in a row, I believe. But they can also win the Super Bowl still. So, like, everybody just try and take a chill pill for a little bit because I don't think that there needs to be that much taken out of that yesterday's game besides the fact that they won. For Matt, I'm Sal. Subscribe, like, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you again later in the week with a bigger look at the Bills and Bengals on Sunday.